Alright, today we're continuing our sermon series, The Sermon That Turned the World Upside Down, on the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to be tackling yet another tough subject. As Joey has said, they, they pretty much all hit you pretty hard at this point, uh, make you think a lot, make you examine your actions, and make you examine your heart. Uh, and today, of course, is not going to be any different. The verses we will be reading from are Matthew 5, 38 through 42. It's Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, I don't know how that hits a lot of you, but I know when it hits me naturally, I kind of tense up at this suggestion. Uh, it's not a suggestion, it's a command of Jesus. I tense up at it. I'm like, ugh, I don't like hearing that. And I think a lot of us don't. And that's because uh, we all agree with what's called the lex talionis, or the law of retaliation. In other words, an eye for an eye. We tend to agree with that. Hey, whatever someone does to you, you should be able to do to them. And that's justified. That's okay. As long as they've done it first, you can do the same back to them. So we celebrate this idea of Lex Talionis. We celebrate it in movies. One of my favorite movies as a kid was The Count of Monte Cristo. I'm aware it was a book first. All right, I know that. Um, but the whole idea is, is, the whole story is this one man getting back at all the people who have done him wrong along the way. There's many songs about it. In a, an area we really like to see this in is, is sports, right? We want to see our team get back at the other team for whatever they did. And so uh, one of my biggest memories of this actually comes from my childhood. Uh, in, 95, in the 95-96 NHL season, uh, the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. I was very happy. And on the way to doing it, they had to go through the Detroit Red Wings. Sorry, Matt. Um, they had to go through the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, and in game six, which was the deciding game, Claude Lemieux for the Avalanche had a, a chance to check one of the Red Wings players. He probably shouldn't have taken it because the guy's back was sorted to him. Um, and that Red Wings name was Chris Draper. But Lemieux checked him anyway. And it was right in front of the Red Wings bench where there's no, no plexiglass. And so the first thing that Draper's face hits is the top of those boards. And Lemieux's arm is on his head. And it breaks his cheekbone and his jaw. And they had to wire his jaw shut. And for the next month, he had to eat his meals through a straw. Now Lemieux got what was considered a just punishment from the league. The league suspended him for a couple games uh, the first two games of the Stanley Cup Finals that year. But that wasn't really like for like. People weren't satisfied with a two-game suspension. 
And so if you fast forward to the 96-97 season, uh, the Colorado Avalanche are playing at Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. And a man named Darren McCarty, who is actually Chris Draper's best friend uh, on the team, the fight is broken out, and McCarty realizes Lemieux is on the ice. And so what's he do? He skates right up to Lemieux. Lemieux never sees the punch coming. He hits him right in the head, stuns him. Lemieux's on the ice. McCarty starts pounding him. And then McCarty does something extra on top of that. He drags Claude Lemieux over right in front of the Red Wings bench. He picks him up and he knees his head into the boards. And all of Joe Lewis Arena is screaming their approval of this. Saying, yes, you did that to our player. It has now been done to you. And even, like, I'm an Avalanche fan. I'm 13 years old, or not 12 years old at this point. And even I'm going, yeah, you kind of had it coming. That's what happens. You take a player out, you can kind of expect to get taken out. And that's how we view retaliation. We view it almost as this get-out-of-jail-free card. If you do X to me, I'm going to do Y to you, and it's perfectly fine. That's okay. And it was no different in the time of Jesus. People viewed this that way. And in fact, they pointed back to the Old Testament and said, this is in the Old Testament three times, not just once. It's in Exodus, it's in Leviticus, it's in Deuteronomy. It clearly states in there that it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And people use that. They said, if you get me, I'm getting you back. But Jesus says no. He takes their world of personal retribution, personal retaliation, and he turns it completely on on its head. He turns it completely upside down. He says, that's not the way it should be. He said, if someone strikes you on your right cheek, you turn to them the other cheek. If someone is suing you for your tunic, we'll talk about what that is in a minute, you give them your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile with them, you're going to. That is what Jesus is telling them to do. Give to the one who begs of you. and Do not refuse the one who would borrow. I want you to ask yourself, when you heard those verses, what was your reaction? Did you like it? Did you agree with it? Or was your natural inclination to kind of pull back? Say, no, what, what is Jesus talking about? That, I, don't, I don't like that saying. I don't, I don't like what he's getting at here. I like being able to pay back what has been done to me. All right, now before I go too deeply, uh, real quick, I want to make it clear that Jesus is not talking about defending yourself here. Like if someone comes and is attacking you and attacking your family, please protect yourself, protect your family. Jesus is not saying, you know, don't do that. Uh, in all of these situations that Jesus is talking about, at no point is anybody's life under threat. And we'll talk about, even when someone's getting their... Uh, when someone's striking you on the cheek, we'll talk about what that means. But at no point in here is anyone's life being threatened or someone's family being threatened. And so Jesus is not saying you can't defend yourself here. So please understand that. He's also not saying that there should be no punishment for these crimes. He's not saying that either. 
What he is getting at, though, is the fact that those passages in the Old Testament were really for how to govern people. They weren't to be used for individual retaliation. They were to be used as a way to govern people and so that punishments didn't get out of hand for minor offenses, but also so that you know, the government would correctly punish uh, the wrongs that people do to each other. But it was never meant for you to take that and say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, whatever you do to me, I'm doing to you. And that is the attitude that Jesus is attacking here. Say, no, you cannot take the law into your own hands. You cannot take retaliation into your own hands. That is not okay. So let's start with the first thing that Jesus says. He says, do not resist the one who does evil. Do not resist somebody who's doing evil towards you. And that idea of resistance um, and the, the word that goes there uh, really has a, an active, um, a retribution type tone to it. So he's saying, really, don't repay evil with evil in this situation. Just because somebody has sinned against you does not give you the right to now sin against them. And he's actually taking it above and beyond that. He's, he's saying, not only don't do that back to them, but he's saying work for their good. Do something good for them. Do something loving for them. And this is not an easy, these aren't easy sayings for us to take, but they're very important. Okay, so, if someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn to them the other also. Now, we got to rewind a few thousand years here and to understand what that meant. Uh, first of all, everybody back then was right-handed. Whether you were right-handed or not, you only used your right hand for things. You did not use your left hand. Unclean, right? Didn't use that. So when Jesus, what Jesus is getting at here is when he says if someone strikes you on their, your right cheek, what people would do as an insult, and not just any insult, but a big insult, is they would take their right hand and they would backhand you across the face. So what's the first thing they're hitting as they do that? It's your right cheek. It's your right cheek. And if someone did that in front of everybody else, that's going to be one of those situations where everybody gets really quiet. What's going to happen? Everybody's waiting for your response. Now, you've got a few things you could do when that happens. Uh, you know, there's some options available here. I think one of the most natural is if someone backhands me, I'm backhanding them. Or you could escalate the situation. Instead of just repaying that, you could, you know, go at them closed fist. Really have to start the fight. Or there was actually in the law, you could sue somebody for doing this. If somebody backhanded you and insulted you in that way, you could sue them. And it was such an insult that you could actually, the, the law allowed you to sue for more if somebody backhand slapped you than if they slapped you open-handed. Okay, so these are your options. Now, you know, my initial one, I'm not going to lie, is, you know, I would, I would do the same thing right back. You're going to smack me, I'm going to smack you, we're going to trade insult for insult. And again, I think most people would say any of those options are good and you'd be justified in taking them. A, B, or C. Choose one. You know, most people would back you. Jesus says, no, choose D. None of the above. Don't do any of those. Instead, turn the other cheek. 
So hit, they hit your right cheek, offer them your left. Remember just in this same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are who? Blessed are the peacemakers. So he's not going to command you to, to break that. Instead, he's going to command you to follow what he's already said. Blessed are the peacemakers. By offering the other cheek, you give an opportunity for that peace to be there. Even though it's at your own expense. It's at you being insulted and possibly insulted a second time if they decide they're going to do it again. But Jesus says that's what you should do. Turn the other cheek. Be a peacemaker. Don't take retaliation into your own hands. All right, what about the next situation? Again, that one's hard. The next one's, you know, Jesus is just getting warmed up with what he's saying here as far as hard sayings. The next one, if someone's suing you for your tunic, offer them your cloak as well. Give them your cloak too. Now, um, so they dressed a lot differently. Obviously, a tunic was, was basically like a shirt. Now, it was much longer than the shirts we wear today, but it was basically like a shirt. And the cloak was your outer covering, your outer garment. So it was more like a coat. In fact, there are some translations that translate it just that way. If someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Now, the law didn't allow someone to sue you for your cloak. The law only allowed for someone to sue for your tunic. But Jesus is saying, if they're suing you for your tunic, offer them your cloak as well. Go above and beyond what the law is saying. And keep in mind, Jesus started this whole thing by saying, do not resist the one who does evil. So he's not even saying this lawsuit is just. Like, not even saying this is a, a, a reasonable lawsuit. In fact, it's probably, it could very easily be a rather frivolous lawsuit. Jesus is saying, no, you go above and beyond what is required of you. Go above and beyond what the law says for this person who is suing you. It's not easy to do. I know I'd be the first one to say, no, I'm getting a lawyer. We're countersuing. All right? Your tunic's going to be mine, not the other way around. It's not what Jesus would have us do, though. The next one, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now that might seem kind of metaphorical to us, but to somebody back in Jesus' day, this had a very, very real application. You see, their land, all of Israel, was occupied at the time by the Romans. And there were Roman soldiers everywhere. And it was written in the law that a Roman soldier could have you carry all of their equipment with them for one mile. Now, do you want to do that? The occupying force? The Romans who have come in, they've treated you poorly. You don't like them, they don't like you. But if one of them says, you pick my equipment up and carry it for the next mile, you have to do it. It's not an option. Jesus says, don't just go one mile with that guy. Go with them too. They ask you to go one, that's the legal requirement. Go above and beyond. Go with them two miles. And the last line of the passage might be one of the hardest, actually, because it comes without any legal obligation. At least some of these other ones, there was some legality to it. But the, the last one, there's none of that. It says, give to the one who begs of you and do not resist the one who would borrow from you. There is no law that says 
you have to give to someone begging. There is no law that says you have to allow someone to borrow something from you, whether it be money or anything else. And yet Jesus is saying, do just that. Go above and beyond what is required of you. And I think in that situation, we often, even though there's no legal anything to it, we tend to act as judge and jury in our own minds. Give to the one who begs for me. Look at that bum. That bum doesn't have a job. Why doesn't he get a job and give his own money? I'm not giving him money. So we tend to pass our own judgment on people, sort of giving them retaliation for something they actually haven't even done to us. Or if someone asks to borrow, maybe it's that family member or that friend where you say, you know what, if they just had a budget and would stick to it, they wouldn't be short on grocery money every month, and I wouldn't need to give them anything. Isn't that the attitude we take a lot? No, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Do the opposite. If they are begging of you, give them something. If they're asking to borrow, allow them to borrow something. Even though you're not under any sort of legal obligation to do so. Alright. So, it's, once again, Jesus, this whole sermon, the whole Sermon on the Mount, He's come along and He said, here's the bar on things. Here's where I want you to be. I want you to be above the bar. He doesn't lower the bar with the Sermon on the Mount. If anything, He has raised it on every point He has hit. And that includes this one with retaliation. With paying back when we've been wronged. Now before you say, I can't do that, there's no way I can possibly live up to this. First of all, let me tell you, you're right. We can't be perfect, right? We're not going to do this perfectly. That's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross for our sins. Because we're going to sin. But... This is still something we should be doing. still something we should be striving for. And the reason is not so that we're good people. It's not so that uh, you know we look good in doing this. No. It's because in doing that, we're acting towards others how God has acted towards us. Think about your life. How many times have you sinned? And when you sin, who is it against? Certainly we can sin against people, but all sin is ultimately against God. All sin is ultimately against God. And did He retaliate? Is that how He has treated us? Did God retaliate? No, He didn't retaliate. Instead, He sent His Son. Now certainly there is judgment, there is punishment, there are those things for sin, but God has sent His Son, Jesus, to take that punishment for us. The cost isn't to us. The cost is to God. See, God not retaliating came at the price of Jesus on the cross. That is how God has treated us. That's how we should be treating others. Instead of taking retaliation, we should be showing them the grace and the mercy and the favor that God has shown us in Jesus. Sure, there's a lot of application for this already going through your mind. Specific areas in your life where you know, 
that you have not been acting this way and that we need to. So let's, let's start with some, some basic ones. One is uh, getting back to insults. When you are insulted, take the insult. Don't immediately insult back. Hey, we don't want this name calling, this backbiting, all of that that goes on. I can think of it a lot happening in, in the workplace. So someone says, oh, so-and-so is a lazy worker. They don't do anything. They don't do it well. And that so-and-so happens to be you, and eventually it gets back to you. Oh, so-and-so said this about you, that you're a lazy worker. And what's the first thing you want to do? I'm a lazy worker. What about them? They took an hour and a half lunch the other day. They were on a 30-minute personal phone call. And you want to just spit that right back at the person you're hearing that from. Don't. Don't. Extend them grace in that situation. Turn the other cheek. If they want to keep insulting you, let them. That's not on you. What is on you is how you respond. You need to not say anything back. Don't use being insulted as an excuse to insult somebody else. If somebody comes asking you for money, here's a second application. If they think you owe them something, and they are coming after you for it. Give them the money. I know that sounds really harsh, and uh, you know, obviously there are individual circumstances that go. But generally, um, you know, a lot of times it's stuff like, "Oh, I let that person borrow twenty bucks; they never paid it back." Maybe you did pay it back and they forgot. But if that's something that is coming between the two of you, pay them another twenty dollars. Think of my mom one time when I was little. Um, I was in third grade, and she had bought some earrings from a, a woman in the neighborhood, a young woman in the neighborhood. And she paid right when she got the earrings. It was like, here's the earrings, here's the money. Well, somehow that lady had forgotten that my mom had paid her the money. And so she kept telling all our neighbors, oh, she never paid me, she never paid me, she never paid me. And of course, that gets back to my mom. And I was like, What? I paid you. You gave me the earrings. I gave you the money. It was like right then, right there. So my my mom went and talked to the lady, and she still at the end of it did not remember getting paid for the earrings. And I'm sitting right there, and my mom writes out a second check for this lady. She says, here you go. Here you go. I was like, what? I'm nine years old, right? Why in the world would you do that, Mom? It's more important that I have a relationship with this woman than it is whatever, the 15, 20, 25 bucks, whatever the earrings were. And so she paid her twice for one set of earrings. So if someone feels like you've done them wrong, you owe them money, let's do what Jesus said. Give it to them. Go above and beyond what is expected of you. How about if someone asks you to help, right? Uh, so people need help with all sorts of things. You know, moving, uh, maybe it could be babysitting, cleaning, uh, you, all sorts of things that, you know, a boss wants you to do a project that really isn't in your job description. There's all sorts of times we get asked for things that are above and beyond, uh, you know, what we want to do. Do those things. And don't just kind of do them. Do them really well. 
If someone needs help cleaning up their yard, stay until every last leaf and twig has been raked up and bagged and all of the grass has been cut and bagged and is out at the trash. Go above and beyond when people are asking you for help. Don't just go one mile with them. Go two. Don't just cook them one meal. Cook them a meal that's going to have a lot of leftovers so that they have more meals to come. Go above and beyond what's being asked. Be prepared to help people financially. That's really tough, I know. We like our money. We hold on to it really, really tight. But make a budget, and in that budget, set up a a mercy fund. So we have one of these as a church, right? We have set up in our budget these funds for mercy, where we can help people who need it, so that when they ask, we can do something for them. We should be doing that in our individual lives as well. Setting aside money. We, you don't know where it's going to come from. You know, who's going to ask, who the next person's going to be that might need help, but make a budget. And I know a lot of us are really tight on money, but still, do something. Have something set aside so that when you hear of a need, when someone is asking for help, you can do something for them. Again, not because you have to. right? Not because there's some law forcing you to. But because it's what Jesus wants us to do. Restoration Road, I pray that we would be a church where we are known for our kindness. Where we are known as a group of people who do not retaliate but rather turn the other cheek. Give people the shirts off our backs. Go the extra mile because of what we've been given in Jesus Christ. Because He came down when we had wronged Him, not the other way around. He came when we had wronged Him. He died on the cross, paying all, all of the price for our sin, not His. And we have received forgiveness in that. May that affect how we treat people and how we act when people wrong us. Let's pray.